Welcome to This Week Explained, the ultimate independent geopolitical podcast that takes a deep dive into the world's current issues. I'm Tiana, and as always, I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Kervin. First off, we wanted to apologize for the slight delay in this week's episode. It's been a whirlwind of a week, and we didn't want to rush out any information without thoroughly verifying it. And Kervin has also been out of communication. It's not our role. That's just not how we roll. We don't push things out there whenever it's kind of halfway done but fear not because we have been hard at work compiling all the research and we're super excited to get into what's on the agenda this week so i'm gonna let Kervin get right on to it we've got some juicy stuff Uh, lined up so let's buckle up and dive right in what's on your agenda yeah lots to get into so we'll do the we'll talk russia ukraine and then we'll get into a lot of bricks talk this week more so bricks. um <laughs> yes more more bricks we've got the uh, brick summit coming up and well we don't <laughs> i'm not going to be there <laughs> but uh lots of talk about the brick summit um so russia's governor of the central bank actually pushed against uh the bricks currency what um, yeah interesting talk there um algeria applied for bricks membership that may come up during the summit and then we're going to kind of just go all into what to expect from this summit as, as it comes up at the end of August. Um, that's going to be in South Africa. And I'm going to try not to say South America when I say it. Just uh, So please correct me, Tiana, if I am start saying oh, South America. Oh, you know how I love to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll go into uh, North Korea. Well, we're not going to go into North Korea once again. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about North Korea. They, right. uh, they said that the U.S. may have given North Korea the green light to use nuclear weapons. May um, have. May okay. have. This will be interesting. Yeah. Um, then we did have someone from the United States that went into North Korea. It's a U.S. soldier. We'll talk about that. And I'd like to, to end this one on sort of where we're at in the relationship between China and the U.S. Well, let's get started. What is the latest in Ukraine? Yeah, let's start with the fact that uh, there were explosives that once again damaged the Kerch Strait Bridge. Um, that's the bridge that connects Russia with Crimea. Right. Um, that was annexed by Moscow in 2014. So the the bridge there is actually very important. Um, it's, he- it's a heavily guarded piece of infrastructure for Russia. Um, a- the attack occurred early this week involving two drones. It caused damage to actually two parts of the bridge. So Russian officials came out. They blamed Ukraine for the attack, and they are investigating it as a terrorist. Well, you said this is an important bridge for Russia. Why is that? So the Kerch Strait Bridge is actually a vital supply route for goods, but it's also a vital route for tourists that head to Crimea. A lot of uh, tourists go into Crimea because it is, you know, it's an island. There's a lot of beaches mm-hmm. there. Um, also... Uh, apart from all of that, it's a military supply line for Russian forces. So it it uh, is able to resupply Russian forces in the region. Um, so yeah, it, it holds significant symbolic importance for Russia. It's that connection between Crimea and Russia. Huh. Um, now, the, the last time the bridge was attacked, uh, that was quite a few months ago. Russia did carry out an aerial campaign, which targeted Ukraine's energy supplies at that time. Do you predict that will happen again? Um, some would say that the 
it already happened. The Russia already targeted Ukrainian and global supplies. And that's when the Russian government announced its withdrawal from a deal facilitating the export of millions of tons of grain from Ukrainian ports. Right. So that grain deal was in place since July of 2022, and it allowed safe passage of cargo ships from Ukrainian ports to the Bosporus Strait. So the, the withdrawal of Russia from the deal has now led to fluctuations in grain prices globally. Um, I can say that the situation has worsened as also Moscow launched several mid- missiles against the Ukrainian port city of Odessa. It's a key grain export point. Is there anything else going on in Ukraine? Like uh, they definitely. have, like yeah. that wasn't a whole lot and we need more. <laughs> like what else? Right. Are we these people need going more. through? Yeah. <laughs> what are these people going through? <laughs> Um, we did see the first use of cluster munitions that were given to Ukraine by the U.S. So this was in social media posts, allegedly showing Ukrainian forces targeting a group of Russian soldiers in eastern Ukraine with cluster bombs. Critics are concerned about the potential dangers to civilians, understandably so, as mm-hmm. ex- unexploded rounds could pose risks for decades. Is Ukraine making an effort to mitigate these fears? Yeah, Ukraine's reportedly said that they're committed to using the weapons responsibly. Um, They say that they will be recording their usage, and that's for future demining efforts. Oh, that's that's cool. I like that. Okay. Yeah. If if that is actually happening, that is really good, and that will mitigate the effects to the That way they can remember exactly where, they can pinpoint exactly where they place these bombs. Definitely. Yes. Right. Now, the U.S. has also acknowledged that Ukraine is, in fact, currently using these cluster munitions against Russian forces. So it's not just social media posts. Um, And they have said that they are impacting Russia's defensive formation. Well, let's get into another Russia-centric event this week with the governor of the Central Bank of Russia pouring some ice-cold water on the (laughs) BRICS currency conversation. What is the latest there? And this came out of of left field. Definitely, I was... I'm sure Putin's super pumped that his um, governor of Central Bank is going against what he wants, but all right. Yeah, if we know Putin, we know he's happy about it. Yeah, he's super pumped. I mean, he's already got the Wagner guy, like going against him and now <laughs> now, now this, this too and, and an election in January so oh. but yeah so in August the BRICS alliance is planning to discuss that formation of the new currency um, you know we've touted previously that the intent of this currency is to reduce the global dominance of the US dollar um, it's intended to be acceptable for cross-border transactions among all the BRICS member countries which is looking to grow as well Right. Um, But Russia's central bank governor has given a bit of a reality check on this. She stated that creating the BRICS currency will be challenging and requires the consent of many stakeholders, not just the BRICS community. Uh Um, She also emphasized that it's not a simple project, uh, that there's a necessity for uh, payment infrastructure to support these global transactions. And that is yet to be established. Right. Something we're going to watch closely. Um, I could see Putin seeing fit to remove the current central bank governor so that he can replace her with someone who's more willing to accept the currency. So she wasn't flat out denying that this could be a possibility. She was just saying it's going to take a lot more time than what Putin wants. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this for a while as the BRICS meeting is set for August. And we don't even know if Putin will attend in person 
and run the risk of being arrested. I highly doubt it, but you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about new members into BRICS. Algeria has thrown its hat into the ring. Can you give an explanation on how that affects the alliance and what they could bring to the table? Yes, as you said, Algeria did indeed apply to join the BRICS group. Um, they also submitted a request to become a shareholder member of the BRICS bank, which they would contribute $1.5 billion. Now, the Algerian president stated that joining BRICS would provide new economic opportunities for its country. Um, Algeria is actually rich in oil and gas resources. They want to their aim is to diversify its economy and they want to strengthen partnerships with countries like Russia and China. So what are the geopolitical implications of this? Well, Algeria's interest in BRICS may influence regional dynamics in both North Africa and the Middle East. Um, It could potentially impact relationships with neighboring countries, um, but also create new regional alignment. And that's particularly considering the involvement of other BRICS member states in these regions. We're seeing countries in Africa and the Middle East move away from alliance with Western nations to become more friendly with China, Russia, uh, Brazil, South Africa. So we're definitely going to keep an eye on this. We're going to watch this event and then analyze the reaction. I think it's going to be important to analyze the reaction and responses from countries outside of the BRICS alliance. Okay, since we're going all in on BRICS talk, let's discuss the August meeting. Do you know what the discussions will center around and will there be any big changes for the alliance that will come out of this meeting? Sure, yeah. During the the summit, leaders are likely to discuss topics like economic growth and development, uh, trade and investment facilitation. They're going to talk about infrastructure projects and then sustainable development. We're also going to focus on ways to strengthen the new development bank, which will probably be part of the BRICS currency. Um, And then the BRICS Business Council is going to get together to promote economic integration and support development. Um, There's also going to be discussions on rebranding BRICS as BRICS Plus, which demonstrates the group's interest in expanding cooperation beyond its current member states. So if Algeria gets approved into BRICS, it would then become BRICS Plus instead yeah. of just continuing to add letters. Letters? Like um, other things? <laughs> right. <laughs> I do want to touch on the uh, five themes to the summit. I went on the website and sort of gave a look at that. So I'm going to do a brief rundown of of that just, you know, just so we can give everybody a baseline for what BRICS is attempting to accomplish. So first... The, the summit plans to explore opportunities to manage climate risks while improving the livelihood of workers in targeted industries. I'm, all of this is from the website, so this okay. is not my analysis of what they're going to be talking about. Okay. Um, the summit also plans to focus on strengthening existing educational cooperation and initiatives to unlock what they say is global opportunities for students in the future. Uh, As well, the summit plans to emphasize the potential of the African continental free trade area, which would create a predictable trade and investment environment in Africa. It's also going to focus on implementing economic plans and strategies to place BRICS economies at the center of sustainable global economic growth. And this would be in a post-COVID environment. Um, uh, So lastly, the summit plans to address the marginalization of women in peace processes. What? Yeah. Like, like on the surface, the summit's priorities appear very admirable. Yeah. Uh, I will say it's going to be very interesting to read the actual transcripts at the conclusion 
Um, yeah. When that happens at the end of August, uh, you know I'm going to do that, and we're going to yes. provide it right here for you guys. Well, there doesn't seem to be any discussion of the actual BRICS currency. Is that embedded into one of the five themes of the summit, or will there be no substantial conversation on that topic? Uh, that, yeah, that's a great question. So I think that discussion will likely fall under predictable trade and investment in Africa, um, okay. as well as the sustainability of global economic growth. Uh, now, South Africa publicly stated there will be no vote on BRICS currency during the summit. And they appear to be distancing themselves from the currency. So it's not just the governor of Russia's central <laughs> bank or whatever that's saying this this currency is far away from happening. They also have other people already in the alliance who are saying, heck no. Yeah, and, I, and that all, uh, I think, is due to China. You know, they're, they're seeing how China is treating other countries with its Belt and Road Initiative. And I yeah. think countries are very uh, leery starting, of... Y- yeah, as they should be, you know, understandable. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes total sense. So let's move the discussion to North Korea. And I know the big story of the week is the fact the U.S. soldier crossed the border from South Korea into North Korea, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. So let's start with the fact that North Korea continues to make provocative statements about the use of nuclear weapons. This week, North Korea says that the U.S. has given them a green light to use those weapons, which is crazy. Can you tell us what happened? And then kind of explain the likelihood of Kim Jong-un using said weapons on nearby U.S. allies. Yeah, so this all centers around the arrival of nuclear-capable submarines in South Korea. That's the USS Kentucky and the USS Michigan. That's seen by North Korea as a provocative move. Oh, that's why they're saying we gave them the green light. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, I did. I I hurt like that was on purpose. I purposely didn't. Clickbait. Don't listen to him. He clickbaited us. (laughs) You clickbaited us. I I did. Um, But I think it. uh, So yeah. So that's the whole reason why is because two nuclear capable submarines although one of those submarines um is said to not have that capability anymore they've taken those munitions off right um but it doesn't matter because it has the potential correct it could be refitted with that stuff if necessary yeah 100 percent. it definitely could Um, i'm sorry and and rio it's okay um north korea perceives the presence of both of these Uh strategic assets as a threat it has issued warnings about potential nuclear repercussions. As I stated before, North Korea is my geopolitical wild card. Everybody who listens to this knows that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really have an answer as to whether or not Kim Jong-un or his sister will authorize nuclear weapons use. Um, North Korea did, however, launch several ballistic missiles into the sea to the west of the north of the South Korean peninsula. Sorry, let me say that again. Okay. Into the west of the Korean Peninsula. <laughs> okay. Well, you brought up Kim Jong Un's sister. What is her role in this discussion? I know she's becoming more and more vocal. Mm-hmm. For and, sure. And as I've said it before, within the regime, yeah. I believe she's more worrisome. Like I'm more worried about her than yeah. Kim Jong Un. She could even be looking to take over for her brother in the event he dies or is killed. And I want to be clear. I don't think that Kim Jong-un is going to be killed or even that he's going to succumb to an illness anytime soon. But if that were to happen, 
she would definitely look to take over instead of one of uh, Kim Jong-un's kids. Right. Now, she criticized U.S. plans for a nuclear-armed ballistic missile submarine visiting South Korea. She said that such efforts to increase extended deterrence would only push Pyongyang further from the negotiating table. And then at the same time, she said it's going to push Pyongyang from the negotiating table. She rejected U.S. calls for unconditional talks, meaning they're pushed away from the negotiating table. <laughs> like um, she said. <laughs> like she said. And uh, she also said that the U.S. was wrong if it believed North Korea's disarmament was even possible. Wow, okay. So there is definitely no calming of relations between the U.S. and North Korea. It's escalated a little bit. So those relations may get even worse now that a U.S. soldier crossed the border into North Korea and was detained by North Korean security forces. How does someone willingly... Get into that. (laughs) Can you just talk (laughs) us through this situation and explain what this could mean for the soldier involved as well as the already strained U.S.-North Korea relationship? Like, what is happening? Yeah, and and I kind of caught this... um, as it was happening, luckily, as I had a brief break in the field, right, um, I had gotten to a Wi-Fi point and it it popped up as happening in the moment, right. Um, so that's why everybody saw the Instagram post. If you were wondering why we were still able to post that kind of stuff, um, it just by chance I lucked out. Okay. Um, but last night I was able to do a deep dive into the situation, and it still makes no sense. To this. Yeah. Especially as someone who was a young former army private second class. Right. And I say that because the soldier in question was private second class Travis King, whom the U.S. has crossed into North Korea willfully and without authorization. (laughs) Um, I don't think they needed to put that in there. Yeah, Uh, at all. It's obvious. Yeah, he was... (laughs) They're not going to, yeah, there's not going to be authorization. Oh, sure, you can go. Um, yeah, we are welcome here. All are welcome. All are welcome in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get a little bit into who King is. He's he's a human being, um, and I don't think we need to forget that. Right. He, uh, he was serving time at a military detention facility in South Korea due to, so that was a prison within South Korea. That was because uh-huh. he got into a fight while he was stationed in South Korea. And after the arrest, he was released about a week uh, after that, and he was escorted to the airport for a flight back to the U.S. However, he did not board the plane. Instead, he went on a tour, and he joined a tour group and crossed into North Korea. So the tour group was going to the demilitarization zone. Right. And as they got there, he crossed the border. Now, U.S. and international officials confirmed that King was believed to be in North Korean custody as soon as he got into the country of North Korea. A witness of the event, who was part of the same tour group, was actually the first to report on the unexpected crossing with pictures and videos and things. Um, I can say this is not going to improve relations between the two countries, for sure. North Korea is going to try to use him as an asset, right? I mean, that's the next logical step. They'll question him about any number of things associated with the U.S. military. And since he willingly walked over there, it wouldn't put it past him to completely crumble. Like, just tell them whatever they want to know. Yeah. If he doesn't talk, if there is is a chance that he doesn't talk, which I don't know why he walked over there if he wasn't going to freaking squeal. Correct. 
Um, will he be tortured? Also, do you know his clearance level? Like, how much of a threat to U.S. national security is this man? Yeah, those are those are all great questions. Let's go through each one. Okay. Um, will North Korea try to use him as an asset? Yeah, you, you're correct to believe that. I mean, that's the first thing that they're going to attempt to do. Right. I would agree with you. He's also very, he's very young. Um, he's very, private, very young. Private second class. He joined in 2021. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So it's, this is wild. It's, it is wild. Um, so I, I agree with you. He probably will speak, not because I think he wants to completely defect to North Korea or he has these right. ambitions, but just because he's just a young kid. Right. And, right, right, um, right. They're going to ask him questions. And scared. Very much scared. There had to be a level of fear coursing through him. I mean, he probably didn't want to face the repercussions for his actions in South Korea. Correct. I mean, okay, sorry. I cut you off again. It's okay. Uh, um, Yeah, Ed, we're trying to just go through all of this stuff. So I get the back and forth between both of us. Like, both trying to understand what's going on. Like, I just can't imagine what kind of mindset he had to have been in where he's like North Korea would be better than going back to face the consequences of my actions yeah I just I don't think he thought it through I really don't he was a um, young I, it was a spur of the moment kind of thing yeah and, and he and took the opportunity people, especially when you're that young and you panic like that yep. you're not obviously you're not thinking straight and sometimes you're kind of like on autopilot <laughs> yeah and you just do things you don't know why you're doing them it just seems like a way to get out of what you're trying to avoid yeah not exactly. thinking about what'll happen once you get there once you reach your destiny yeah and and so in the off chance he chooses not to speak to north korea he is definitely going to be tortured uh, there's no doubt in my mind because they're going to want any information he may have it's right. also very likely that North Korea believes he has information that he doesn't. Yeah. And that's going to lead to future, to even more torture. Now, due to his rank and job title, so he was a calf scout, a cavalry scout. Um, okay. He probably did not have a high-level clearance. There is no requirement for a clearance as a, a 19 Delta, which is the MOS for a calf scout. Uh-huh. But since he was stationed in... South Korea. I'm just uh-huh. assuming that he was given at least a secret clearance. Just whenever you go to, whenever you deploy out like that, you're usually given a clearance. You can um, ask Howard. Yeah, I could. Or I- I'll definitely reach out to Howard. I think um, you should reach out to Howard. Or yeah. and anyone else who is. Or well, yeah, has someone been... else. Right. <laughs> Please fact check me on this and then we'll bring that back up in a further conversation. Now, as far as the threat to U.S. national security, even though he may not have knowledge of high-level classified information, his crossing into North Korea can be used as a bargaining chip for North Korea. So it's possible that they use him to relieve some of the sanctions placed on that country. And also, it's a possibility that the U.S. could be asked to remove those nuclear-capable submarines from South Korea. They're not going to do that. They're going to, but North Korea will ask for it. That is, yeah. uh, that is definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, uh. Like I said, in, in my opinion, it was, this was a dumb move. I'm not saying anyone is dumb. I'm right. saying the, the move the, itself was not, not well thought out. Yeah. Um, I, I understand he was facing a dishonorable discharge. 
Uh, it would have ruined his military career. Uh, yeah. It would have probably ruined some Endured. ability. Yeah, yeah hindered it, his ability to find a decent job post-military. Correctly. Yeah, that correctly. No, you're Cor- correct. Correctly, Tiana. <laughs> correctly. You speak correctly. Um, Sometimes. <laughs> I just think it pales in comparison to what he is now facing. Oh, um, like for sure. That is within North Korea. But even if he's released in the next few days from North Korea, it's, there is... Yeah way more repercussions yeah he's gonna be in so much trouble i really do i really feel for him i'm not here to attack him right and and i feel for his family as somebody who has kids um yeah we can both kind of look at that and be know that we'd be very scared our nephew was in is he still army he is our our nephew's in the army he's deployed out um somewhere i'd be very very, very nervous if he decided to very make nervous. a decision like this. Yeah. Yeah. If he he's, felt, he's he felt young... cornered enough to make a decision like this, that's the thing. <laughs> like when you feel cornered enough, you'll wild out like this. Yeah. Definitely. He's just a young guy. He got scared. Yeah. Uh-huh. He didn't think through this whole thing. Well, I, for one, appreciate the total breakdown of this situation. And there will certainly be more to follow up with on this event as the negotiations get underway. But for now, let's move to China and talk about the current state of relations with the United States. Yeah, it was an interesting week there. A blast from the past showed up in Beijing, and that's former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. He met with Chinese President Xi this week. Uh, Kissinger played a key diplomatic role in normalizing ties between Washington and Beijing in the 1970s. That's when he served as Secretary of State and National Security Advisor in the administrations of first President Richard Nixon and then President Gerald Ford. So President Xi, after talking with Kissinger, highlighted the significance of his visit, expressing that the Chinese people never forget their old friends. And U.S.-Chinese relations are closely linked to Kissinger's name, uh, but both sides are at a crossroads, but those uh-huh. both sides being the U.S. and China. Um, they're, they're neat. Both sides need to make choices for the future of the relationship, uh-huh. ones that are aligned with both sides, where they can come together, not just one side or the other. Right. Uh, in researching it, I did see that G expressed China's willingness to discuss the right way for the two countries to get along and promote steady progress in uh, China-U.S. relations. I want to highlight that word, right way. Um, because that usually means the way that's most beneficial to China. That's what I'm concerned about. Right. In in these talks, it needs to be mutually beneficial. I don't think just the U.S. side needs to win or the Chinese side needs to win. For, yeah, for people, real peace. You got to compromise. That's, I mean, you got to get over your egos, get over <laughs> your personal bottom lines and do what's best for the people of your countries and make some uh, yeah, compromises. And- and, and for the globe, you know, it's not yeah. good for any country to have these talks of war and these, you know, conflicts and stuff like that. Um, let's all get to the table. Let's have a discussion. Let's sit at the table that North Korea pushed away from. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, they pushed the table away. Let's pick it up, bring it somewhere else. But uh, as of right now, tensions between the U.S. and China have been heightened over various reasons. Uh, the war in Ukraine, you know, 
aggression towards Taiwan, the curbing of free trade. Now, for for what it's worth, the two countries, they have attempted to reestablish communication channels. And that's we saw that in the high profile diplomatic visits that included Secretary of State Antony Blinken, that recent visit we commented on a few weeks ago. But it remains to be seen whether Kissinger can actually bring some stability to this relationship. I would say I don't even know if it's beneficial to have him speaking as a pseudo ambassador for China-U.S. relations because he is more China focused. Well, that explains why they're considered friends. Old friends. Old friends. Emphasize old. Henry Kissinger is 100 years old. He really is? Yes. I believe he just had a birthday. Oh, my goodness. Well, that that's the U.S. for you. Yeah, but I want to know what he's on because he is still all there. Mentally. That is amazing. I, well, I mean, obviously, since they thought it was a smart thing to send him over there to talk to China, Definitely, he had yes. to have all his mental faculties available, you know? That's... Yes. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> jealous, yes. Well... Thank you, Kervin. Is that all that you have for us this week? That's all from me. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Not really, but... Okay. Anyway, no. But thank you to our listeners for listening to this humble little independent podcast. We hope that you found it both informative and engaging. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. Kiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.